Welcome to Evangel Church, where we believe in seeing changed lives changing lives. Welcome, Evangel. What a, what a morning we've had, huh? God's up to something today. It's so glad, and I'm so happy that you're a part of it. My name is Pastor Chris, and if I haven't had the chance to meet you and you're new here today, I'm so glad that you chose to worship with us this morning. Uh, can we just give it up for them again, those that are with us for the first time? Uh, I know I've had a chance to meet a few of you, but so glad that you're with us. Uh, you chose a great time uh, to be a part of uh, our church service today because God is up to something here at Evangel. I can feel it, and I can sense it in every way, and I know that um, this is just the beginning. So glad that you're here and glad that you're with us. If you are new, please let us know. Stop out in the Welcome Center after service. I'd love to meet you. We have leaders out there that would love to meet you. There's a um, new guest card right in the front pew in front of you. Buy the Bibles there. Grab one out and, uh, and bring it out after service. We'd love to connect with you. Well, uh, before we jump into the Word today, I wanted to just remind you that we are in a series, and this is the kickoff to um, history, Jesus in the Old Testament. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but Jesus shows up in the Bible a lot earlier than the New Testament. In fact, he's there in the very beginning, just as we saw in that. And we're going to be exploring over the next 40 days leading up to Easter, um, Jesus in the Old Testament. And mainly, uh, we're going to see Jesus in the first five books of the Old Testament. And so, uh, you received last week uh, this right here. It's a reading plan. It's a small bookmark. We have plenty of these left. You can pick one up with one of our ushers as you leave today, out at the info desk, uh, and at the info center. You pick this up. It begins tomorrow. And if you read Monday through Friday, take off Saturday and Sunday, um, in, in eight weeks, we'll get through that whole section of Scripture together as a church. And so please uh, take time daily, read God's Word, dive into the reading plan. I know that God's going to meet you in a special way um, as we take this journey together. Also, last week I talked to you about the Jesus Bible, which is a Bible that just came out. It's in the NIV translation, um, but what comes along with it uh, in the study notes section is all the study notes are connected forward to Jesus. So it's there that you can really see all the uh, points of Scripture that point forward to Jesus, the prophecies of Jesus, and, uh, and you can dive in and have extra study uh, in the Bible. So if you don't have a good study Bible, this is a great one for you to pick up. In fact, it was just released a few weeks ago. Uh, we picked up a few copies of them. I'm not sure if any are left. Uh, they're first come, first serve uh, basis if you want to buy a copy out in the foyer on your way out. Uh, or you can get them on Amazon or anywhere that books are sold. I saw them at the Jesus Book and Gift Store yesterday. So, uh, so feel free to check that out. The Jesus Bible is a great resource for you to go deeper as we are taking time to study God's Word together. Well, if you have your Bibles, and I'm not going to say that anymore, I said in first service, because you have your Bibles, we all need to have our Bibles with us. Uh, you got it in the pew in front of you. You got one uh, at home. If you don't have one and you need one, come talk to us. We'll give you a free one. It won't be the Jesus Bible, but it will be a Bible. Uh, we'll, we'll hook you up there. Um, and, uh, and so we'll, we'll be glad to help you uh, with that. Uh, but also on your phone, you can download a Bible app and dive into God's Word. So open in your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 22. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 22 this morning. And as we um, dive into this series and as we dive into the message for today, I know that, um, that God has been preparing us for that. And he prepares us all in different ways because it's no accident that you're here today. You may think it's a series of unique circumstances or, uh, you know, uh, weird events that brought you to this moment. But I believe the God of the universe has been drawing each of us here and orchestrating the series of events in our lives to bring us to this moment. He has a word in season for us, church, today. And... Um, and I don't know about you, but I've taken some big steps in my life and some scary steps. But I think that one of the biggest and scariest steps that I've ever taken in my life happened to me last Sunday night. And I don't know about you. Have you ever taken a step in your life that has been scary? Uh, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. This one was terrifying, and it was a painful step. Have you ever taken a step that's turned out to be painful in your life? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we were over at uh, some friend's house, Mandy and I, and we had our two kids. We have a th going on three-year-old Lily. She's going to be three in just a month on St. Patrick's Day. Can you believe it? It's coming up in just a month. Like, where have this, where's the time gone? And we have our eight-month-old, Josiah. And we were hanging out with some friends, and Lily was playing with, uh, with their children. And we left. We got there in the evening, and we were leaving a little before 9 o'clock on Sunday night. And they live on the second story of a two-family house, and we headed down, and then you get to the front porch, and the front porch is about eight steps from the sidewalk down below. And as we're leaving, I'm holding Josiah in the car seat carrier, and Lily's walking with, uh, with Mandy, my wife, uh, behind her. 
And I go, and what, one of the things that I did not realize, that it was wet outside, and the steps that had been wet when we came in were now solid ice as we were leaving. And I had no idea. So when I told you I took the biggest and scariest step uh, maybe of my life on Sunday night, I really did. Because I've never once before taken a step that landed me eight steps down. Um, and I went right off the steps uh, with Josiah and the carrier all the way down onto the sidewalk. Um, and in that moment, I mean, I, I didn't even have a moment to blink to realize what had just happened um, as me and my son now, who's eight months old, goes tumbling down the staircase. Um, it's a big step. It was a scary step. It was a very painful step. I'm telling you, I, I have the bruises all over my body to attest for that. Um, thank God, though, because the way I carry the car seat is sometimes you can carry him where he's facing backwards or he's facing frontwards. He was facing frontwards, and he was completely fine. Praise God. Um, if he was facing backwards, this could be a completely different conversation. It was very scary for us, but that was a big step. And here's what I know today as we come to God's word. Um, I have just come to, to trust in my, the depths of my being that nothing that I experience in this life is wasted. That if your life belongs to God, that he uses and it can even redeem anything and everything. And I know that even that, what I just told you, uh, is something that the Lord can use in my life. And I, and I pray that he'll even use it in your life. Because here I was as a father taking a very scary, very painful, very difficult step when we come to God's word today on Sunday, that happened last Sunday, on this Sunday, we're going to look at a father who took a very big, a very scary, and a very painful step with his son that almost ended his life. And we're going to be looking at Abraham. And in the same way that God provided for me, in the same way that God provides in this story, is the same way that God is ready to meet you on the other side of whatever step he's calling you to take. And I want you to know he's already prepared the provision ahead of time. He's ready and he has that for you. And he will lead you, guide you, and sustain you. So this is a word in season for all of us. And it's an area that we all need to grow together in. So let's pray and let's ask God to speak to us from his word today as we come here to Genesis chapter 22. Lord Jesus, we come before you today and we thank you that you are here and that you are with us, Lord God. We thank you that your promises are yes and amen, Lord God. We thank you that your word is living and active. And we thank you that the Holy Spirit leads and guides us into all truth. And so, Lord, that's what we ask for today. May this not be something that just ends in, in us having more information, Lord God. We need transformation. We need to change and be transformed, Lord God. So come and meet us today, Lord God. Lead and guide us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As you're taking notes today. I want you to write down a statement, and whether you're doing that uh, with a pen and paper or you're doing it in your phone, write this statement down somewhere. It's going to be a fill-in-the-blank that uh, has everything to do with what we're going to be talking about today from God's Word, and it's about faith. And I want to give us a definition for faith and what that is, and I want us just to be rooted in this as we look at God's Word today. Faith is my journey of blank, trust and obedience to the Word of God. Faith is my journey of trust and obedience to the word of God. So put that blank there, and we're going to fill it in in just a little bit. This is what faith is. It is really not just a step. It's not just a moment or a decision. Faith is a journey. It's a journey of trust and obedience to the word of God. That means when God calls us, we answer, we trust, and we obey him. And that's what he's asking of each one of us. And so we look at the life here of a man named Abraham who's about to take the biggest step that he's ever taken in his life. But before that, long before, I want to catch us up in the story because he had taken a lot of steps before that that led him to this point in time. We start to learn about him, and you're going to read about him in this week's reading as you go through our reading plan for history. You're going to, you come across Abraham as we get right about halfway point through the reading. And so by the time we get to chapter 12, we find that the God of the universe, of all the people he could speak to and call out, he speaks to this man named Abraham. And he calls him, at the time his name was Abram, and he then changes his name to Abraham, meaning you, because names were significant. They had value. They had a greater understanding behind them, an association. And so Abram was turned to Abraham, and that meant you're going to be the father of many nations. You're going to be this father of many nations. And he calls his wife Sarai, whose name gets changed to Sarah through this process, and he calls her out. And here's what the Lord says to Abraham. He says, it's time for you to go and take a step. 
He gives him a calling. He gives him an opportunity to take a step of faith. He says, go. Leave everything behind. Leave all your comfort behind. Leave all your security behind. Leave your father and mother's house. Leave the city that you're in and go. Go to a place that I'm going to show you one day. And so there's a few things that we don't understand today that someone there would have been wrestling with. For us, we could say, I can go anywhere. I can get an airplane. I can, I can go from city to city to suburb. There weren't cities and suburbs and all this, all this development. At that time in history, it was all fortified cities. So you had a fortified city. Then you had a bunch of barren land, wilderness, fortified city. So when you're called to go, and don't go to that city or that city, just go to a place that I'm going to show you, a place that I'm going to give you as my inheritance to you. A place where I'm going to bless you and make you a mighty nation. You just have to go. And when you go, you're completely vulnerable. All your security is found in the place that you live. Some of you understand what this feels like. You haven't yet taken that step. Maybe you're approaching a time where, where it might be time to move out of home and step into a new season. That's a vulnerable step. You go from the security of home, of family, to being on your own. And if you've done that, you remember what that was like for the first time. Imagine that compounded in the life of Abraham. He's having to leave everything, all his wealth, all his security, his family, his inheritance, and just go. And so he packed up what he could, and, and he had to take this step. Could you imagine this narrative, this, this discourse with God? Abram, go. Take everyone. Take your family. Take these people. Go. Go to a place that I'm going to show you. You're not being very descriptive, God. Where am I going? Uh, can I put it in my GPS? Does Siri know where it is? Like, where? Where? Where am I going? The place that I'm going to show you. Okay, that, that helps. Thank you. So it takes a step of faith, a step of obedience and trust to make that transition. And he did it. He did it and he trusted God and he took that step. And then God said to him, I'm going to make you a great nation. In fact, your descendants are going to number the stars in the sky and the grains of sand on the seashore. That's how many will come from your family and from your line. Now, have you ever had a moment in time where you sense God was calling you to something and God has put something before you and you have to ask that question, God, I think you may have the wrong person. I think you may have called upon the wrong person. Of all the people in the world to call upon, to call upon the one who's getting old in age and whose wife is beyond her childbearing years. The man's almost 100 years old. It's like, God, did you know you were speaking to me when you said that? Like, you know that Sarah can't have kids, right? I mean, like, talk about the worst candidates ever for being the father of many nations and the mother of many nations. Like, this isn't happening. I love, I love when we read God's word. It's never the most qualified person that he's looking for. It's always the most available person. It's always the most obedient person. It's always the person that will trust him at his word. You see, God had countless people who could conceive children. He could have blessed and said, you will now be the father of many nations. But he didn't find anyone that could trust him like he found in Abraham. And he was the one he called out. And if you're so busy looking at all the reasons why it can't work, why it would be impossible, you just might miss what God's ready to do. Bring God your impossible and watch what happens. Over and over and over again, watch what he does with what the world says is impossible. It's impossible for him to have children, and he's going to be the father of many nations. It takes a step of faith to trust God for that. It takes a step of faith to trust him, that he's going to lead. And so, and just like anyone, Abraham went up and down. He had trials. He had difficulties. And God showed up each time along the way with his grace and with his word. And all that Abraham had was the word, the promise of God. In fact, God made it a covenant with him. He sealed it in a covenant with him in chapter 15 to say, I promise my word is my bond. I'll fulfill it. When God makes a promise, you take him at his word. And Abraham did. He trusted God. And the Bible says it was credited to him as righteousness. And when he did that, God brought him on a journey. Now, it wasn't happening in his timing, right? Now, don't you get frustrated when, when God's timing isn't same, synced up with your timing, when his script isn't your script? And normally we think that God's the one who's, who's late. God's never late. His timing is always perfect. The problem is that with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. You didn't get that before. That's what it says in God's Word. It says, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. And I, we, don't, we don't understand. We don't even comprehend time on the same scope and scale that God does. But here's what I know. We read it again and again in God's Word. By the time we get to Joshua, I love the way he says it. 
He says, I've seen a lot. Joshua saw thick and thin, famine, feast. He saw miracles. He saw defeats. He's seen everything. And Joshua said, I've seen a lot in my days, and I'm now about to go the way of all the earth. But this one thing I can tell you, that not one of God's good promises has ever failed. God has always fulfilled what he promised he would do. Someone needs to hear that today. God has always and will always fulfill what he has promised. He's faithful. That's what makes him faithful. And he is not a man that he could change his mind. I'll say it again. He's not a man that could change his mind. Some of you are going to be confused by that in about 20 minutes if you haven't caught up with this story yet. He's like, he's not a man that changed his mind. Then what in the world is going on here in chapter 22? Because by the time we get here, something has happened. A few things have happened. Abraham and Sarah, they were growing impatient with God's timing. And so they decided that they were going to take a little detour in the plan. They were going to try to take the steering wheel and try to make this thing happen on their own. Here's what you need to know. God doesn't need... Um, us taking over and trying to control how to get to a certain place. God has a plan, a path, and a purpose. But there are times that we want to take over. Say, you know what, God, you're not working fast enough, so let me help you out. He doesn't need our help in that way. He needs our obedience, not our help. Um, And so they tried to have their own kid. They said, okay, maybe let's just speed this thing up, and you go have a a child with my my servant here. And so he has this child. This child is not the child of promise. It's Ishmael. It's not the child that God had promised them. It happened through a different way, and it, they tried to bypass God's blessing, and it wasn't going to happen. And so they had to learn from that lesson, and then God did exactly what he said he would do. Sarah, well past when she ever could, she got pregnant, and she had a baby, and they named him Isaac, and Isaac was the child of promise. And I want to tell you that whenever that happens, when you have a child like that, and, and there had been a long time that you wish you could have a child, and you couldn't, um, There's just something special about that moment in your life. And Mandy and I, we went through, and we've talked about it a little bit in the past, but we went through some challenges as we were trying to conceive and have children, and and it took us a a little while longer than we would have hoped. Um, But God was faithful, and he brought us through some big ups and downs during that season, but he's been faithful, and now we have a beautiful daughter and a beautiful son. Um, And we held each of those as a precious gift from God because we knew that it was a lot of prayer and a, and a lot of that. And I know some other families here that you've struggled to conceive. You've struggled. That's been a, a, a journey that you've been on, and you've just been praying, and nothing's happened yet. Others, you've been praying for years, and then finally God has blessed you with that child. You know how you hold that child when, when it's a child of promise, a, ch- a child of God's blessing. But here's what I want you to know. If you're walking through that season, take heart. God is in the specialty of opening wombs. He's in the specialty of doing the impossible. And, uh, and so I know there's someone, maybe you're struggling with that. You know somebody that's struggling with that. Pray for them. Pray that God would do just as he does in his word time and time and time again because he's the author of life. Um, this happens, and you hold a child differently. Whenever I hold Josiah, hold Lily, it's special. We knew Josiah was going to be a part of our family before Lily was a part of our family. I mean, from the time we were praying, we, we, we felt that we were to have a child, and he was going to be a boy, and his name was going to be Josiah. And so we're praying and just waiting for Josiah to come. After we had Lily, whenever we were looking to get pregnant again, it was like, we're, we're waiting for Josiah. And, and of course, if we, they told us we were having a girl, we might have named him Josiah Hafeen. I don't know. We named her something. But we just felt like Josiah was a part of our family. And then when they said it's a boy, we said, there he is. There's Josiah. He's here. He's coming. Same way God knows your story. He knows you. Before you are thought on your parents' mind, you know the Lord of the universe knew you, calls you by name, numbers the hairs on your head. Um, so you hold that child a little differently. You hold any child differently when they're newborn. That's why it was so scary when I go down the steps with my eight-month-old because I know all the prayer. I know all the sacrifice. I know all of that. So painful to think about that. And so Abram is holding this child of promise and can imagine how excited, how fulfilled he is. And then the God of the universe speaks to him in Genesis chapter 22. And here's what he says in verse 2. He says, Now take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I will tell you. This is such an important moment in Scripture. Do you get the weight of this, church? Do you get the weight of what has just been asked and, and, and told to, to Abraham? Take your son, your only son, your son whom you love, and go and sacrifice him on the mountain in the land of Moriah, in a place that I'm going to show you. In this moment, the effects, the ramifications of this step of faith that's put before Abraham 
ripples through all of history and reaches us right here today. This is such a powerful moment, such a moment that we can't even imagine what's happening here. But the author of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 says it like this. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. See, there's a moment that comes now in the journey, the journey of faith. And it's something that you and I need to realize because you may be there today, and if you're not there today, you've been there yesterday, or you'll be there tomorrow or someday. There's a moment that happens when you're walking this thing we call faith out. You're living this life following the Lord, being faithful to him, doing what he puts before you. And he has a promise, a promise that you've taken hold of, a promise that's aligned to his word, and you're walking towards that. And there's a moment that comes when you find yourself in a situation when your present circumstances are completely out of alignment with God's future promises. When your present circumstances are completely out of alignment with God's promises. When you stand there and you say, God, this is where you said you're taking me. This is where I've been trusting you. This is where I've been faithfully following you towards. And then God brings you and you're standing over here and you can't even see that. And we're saying, this is what you put before me now. I don't even understand what's going on. There's going to be a moment that comes in the journey of faith when your present circumstances get out of alignment with God's promises, and it's a part of God's path, not because of your sin, not because of your disobedience, not because of any of those things. Those also can derail you, but this is about you following God and being led to a place that you feel is completely contrary to where God is leading you and bringing you. And this is what happened in his life. Could you imagine? We, we know the story. We know the story about Abraham offering Isaac, and I think for many of us, we become desensitized to this. But I need you to know today I need you to know that this is a huge step. That a man was asked to sacrifice his son. That a man was asked to go and to allow his son, the son that God had promised. The Bible says in, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 18, that even though God had asked him and said to him, it's through Isaac that your offspring are going to be reckoned. I have a plan and a purpose for Isaac's life. I, uh, you know, through him, there's going to be so many descendants, you won't be able to count them. Now take him and sacrifice him to me, up on the mountain that I'm going to show you, in the land of Moriah. I have to tell you, I have to be honest with you. If today, this afternoon, tomorrow morning, I'm in my quiet time, and I hear the voice of the Lord speak to me and say, take your son Josiah and sacrifice him to me. Can I be real with you, church? The answer is no. To even the God of the universe right now, I, I have to tell you, can I just be real with you for a moment? The answer is no. Lord, I can't do that. I can't do that. I won't do that. I just can't. I can't. I couldn't. I would be so paralyzed by that decision. I couldn't do that. And the reason I tell you that is not because I want to disobey God or I want to, but it's because I don't have the faith. My faith isn't there yet. You know, faith is something that grows in us. It stretches. But I want to tell you that that step of faith it's something I, I, I am not and could not at this moment in my life be prepared for. I just could. I, I mean, there's so much that, that, that we've prayed into, so much that we believe God for. And to even be brought to that place. Like, this is, this is, a, real, this is a real person that was asked to do a very real, real, real act of obedience to God. And for us today, because there's a few thousand years that separated, it's like, has we become desensitized? That I put myself there and think, what would I say? I would say, I don't know, I'd probably say, like, this can't be God. This can't be God. No, no, this isn't God. This is, you know, the enemy playing tricks. This is something else. This is bad pizza. This is a hallucination. This is something. This can't be God. Brush it off. I think for many of us, it shows something. It shows a difference in our faith, our ability to trust and obey God, our ability to really, in depths of our being, Say, God, I'm going to be obedient to you, and I'm going to leave all the consequences up to you. Say, Lord God, you can do it. You're going to do it. You're going to take care of me. Talk about a fall. Talk about a step. That's like going down a mountain. That's like, that's like jumping off a cliff. That's, that's crazy. But here's what I want you to know. When I say that, it convicts me to my core because I want to have faith. I want to trust God completely. Not that I believe he would ever ask me of anything like that. I have a picture of my beautiful son uh, here. 
Josiah. And uh, he's adorable. Now that you see it, you can understand why my answer is no. But there's those steps. And here's what I believe with everything in me. That there are steps of faith that God has out there. Not like this, but big steps. Big, big, life-changing steps of faith that he's calling us to. That he has for me and he has for you. And they're waiting out there. And you're not even entertaining them because your faith is too small. I'm not even entertaining them because my faith is too small. It's not even there. That would, like, as foreign as that would be, these things that God has prepared for us. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard. It has not even entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. It, you can't even comprehend that, right? I can't even comprehend that, but it's there, and it's waiting out there. And I truly believe it's this idea, this faith, this big faith that bridges the gap to get us there. And so this is what's happening in his life. He's asked to take him, although it doesn't make sense, although it seems so different, although it seems so challenging. This is what's asked of Abraham, and how does he respond? He doesn't brush it off. He doesn't have a long conversation. All the Bible says he does next is he obeys God. I've heard one pastor say it like this, obey God and leave all the consequences up to him. This is a moment where that's what's happening inside of the life of Abraham. He's obeying God, and he's leaving all the consequences up to God. Here's what it says in verse 3 of Genesis 22. It says, so Abraham, he rose early in the morning. He saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he split wood for the burnt offering. He arose, and he went to the place that God had told him. And then on the third day, look at that, on the third day, Where's this going? Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the lad will go over there. We will worship and then return to you. So we will go over there, worship, and then we will return to you. This is what's told of him. He doesn't say, I'm going to go over there, and then I'm coming back. My son isn't coming. We're going over there. We're coming back. There's something. This is where the story starts to turn. You're saying, okay, then what's, what's he getting? Is he not going to do it? No, he's trusting God completely. Here's what he realized. This is something that he realized. His present circumstances for Abraham, they did not outweigh the promise that God had already made to him. His present circumstances did not outweigh the promise that God had already made to him. And he said, if I'm going to take one of them, and you're telling me my son's going to die in just a few moments, you've already made a promise that he will live. You've already made a promise, God, that he will be the son of promise. So if I'm going to hold one of them together, I'm just going to obey you, but I know, and I know that I know that your promise is coming true. However you're going to work it out, you're going to work it out, but I trust you. This is this powerful moment of faith. This is what I'm talking about here with the definition of faith that I gave you at the beginning of the message. Let's put that up again. That faith is my journey of blank trust and obedience to the word of God. Now, there's a way that we fill in, and the word that we use to fill in this statement has the ability to change everything in our lives because it changes our faith. And I believe that there's something that's seeped into the church today. I believe there's something that's different that's become compromised with this idea of faith when it comes down to us today. It's different than what we see in God's word. And I believe it's this one word that has changed. And you're going to hear the other word, and you're going to think, I don't know, that word makes me uncomfortable. And people have heard it, and they told me, that makes me uncomfortable. But there's just a few letters in one word that's changed. And I believe it's changed everything. This is the faith, I believe, of this generation. Let me go further. I think this is the faith of many of us here at 1251 Terrell Road. And this is the area God wants to address in us as a church. Faith is my journey of rational trust and obedience to the Word of God. Faith is my journey of rational trust and obedience to the Word of God. What do I mean by that? The idea of rational means that it's solved through reason. 
And when we say that faith is a journey, it's a journey of trust and obedience to the Word of God. Yes, it is, but what kind of trust and obedience? And for many of us, we have said this without saying it. It's really a journey of rational trust and obedience, meaning this. I will trust and obey God as long as I can wrap my mind around Him. I will trust and obey God as long as it makes sense to me. I will trust God as long as as it's not too uncomfortable or unpopular. As long as I can reason it out, then I'll trust him. And I want you to know something today. When you do that, you are putting a lid on your life. You're putting a lid on what God will do through you. You're putting a lid on everything because you're saying, my faith has a cap to it. It's rational. It's whatever I could wrap my mind around. And I heard a story just this last week. Um, and it was about from another pastor. And uh, I got to spend some time with him a little over a week ago. Um, his name is Pastor Craig Rochelle. Pastor Craig Rochelle is a uh, pastor of Life Church. And uh, me and a few other pastors, we got a chance to connect with him uh, a week and a half ago and hear from him. He told a story while we were together. And he said he was at a camp, a summer camp with his kids. It was a Christian camp a few years back. And as Pastor Craig was there with his children, um, he was in, a, in the pool hanging out, and he met another dad. And the other dad said to him, uh, while they, they probably got to know each other for two minutes, and then into the conversation he said, hey, I bet you can't hold your breath underwater for 60 seconds. Now, I don't know this, but all the men in the house know what's about to go down uh, whenever you've just been challenged in front of your kids. He's like, yeah, yeah, I can. You know, he's like, I don't know if I can, but yeah, I can, and I'm going to. I'm not going to let him show me up in front of my kids. So the guy says, all right, I got a stopwatch and a waterproof stopwatch. He said, all right, you go ahead, and and I'll count. So he says, okay. Takes a breath, goes under. The guy's timing it above the water. By the time he gets to about 25 seconds, he thought, okay, I'm kind of all right here. Then he crosses 30 seconds. He said, okay, I'm running out of air. This is getting difficult. He said, then, you know, at 40 seconds, he starts to feel like, he feels like his chest is contracting. He's, he's not sure what's going on. He said by 45 seconds, he's confessed his sins and recommitted his life to the Lord. Uh, by 55 seconds, he's thinking, I'm going into eternity now, and I can't believe I'm doing it because I want to win this, you know, this bet or challenge from this guy. He got to a minute and one second, shot up out of the water. He's like, yes, I did it. I told you I could do it. The guy said, oh, great, you got me. He said, but the next time you go under... I want you to stand there for two minutes. He said, I can't stand there for two minutes. That's impossible. And the guy said this quote to him. You ready? He said, your mind does not have the capacity to comprehend what your body is capable of. Don't say that's impossible. Your mind doesn't have the ability to comprehend what your body is really capable of. He said, I'm telling you, if you listen to what I'm about to tell you, you will stay under for two minutes next time. He said, okay, I'm in. He said, all right, instead of uh, just going under after taking a few breaths, I want you to take some bigger breaths, take some deep breaths. He took a few deep breaths. He said, okay, and then when you go under, you were flailing, you were moving around, you were kicking your feet. No, just get as still as you can. Then you're going to get, as you get into it, you're going to start to feel like you're, you know, feeling that tightness, and you have to take a breath, just let out a little bit of air. That's going to trick your brain into thinking that you just took a breath. It'll buy you some more time. He said, then when you're really pressing it, Just focus on something. You'll see a bubble or something floating in the water. Just focus on that. It'll buy you 10 or 15 seconds, make you forget that you're underwater. He said, you go through this process and you do it. So Pastor Craig did it. He went under. This time he got almost to a minute before he felt like he did it 30 seconds. He thought, oh, man, I'm I'm getting close. He went through all the processes, did everything just as he had heard it. He came up out of the water. And the guy said, you just stayed under for two minutes and 45 seconds. Two minutes and 45 seconds. Come on, somebody. That's exciting. That's exciting. And then he, he just said that again. Your mind doesn't have the ability to comprehend what your body is really capable of. But I want to take that a step further. Your mind has no ability to comprehend what your God is truly capable of. Your mind has no ability to truly comprehend what God is capable of and what God could do through you. Here's what you need to get. That the spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is at work with you, the Bible says. You have no idea what God is capable of. You have to change what you think is possible. This is what Abraham did. You know what happened and what was the difference for him? He didn't have a rational faith. His faith was not rational at all. If it was a rational faith, he would have never left in chapter 12. He said, it doesn't make sense for me. It's it's not fiscally conservative for me to leave, uh, you know, from here. 
It's no, no, no. You know, it doesn't make sense for us to even try. We can't have a kid. It's impossible. Like, if he hadn't changed what he thought was possible all along the way, he would have never stood at the foot of this mountain ready to walk up with his son. He changed what he thought was possible. And so it means that he had a different kind of faith. What kind of faith did Abraham have? He did not have a rational faith. Let's bring that statement up there again on the screen. Here's what faith really is, biblical faith, I believe. Faith is my journey of radical trust in obedience to the word of God. Come on, I got two claps for that one. But it is my journey of radical trust in obedience to the word. We're like, well, radical, that's not, I mean, radical, radical. Because people have taken that word and they've done crazy things in the names of all kinds of other things. But I want to tell you that when you look at God's word and you read story after story, this is all you're going to see. Well, that's radical. I mean, that guy said, God just said there was going to be a flood and he was built an ark. That took like forever. That's crazy. That's radical. <laughs> Abraham, it's radical. It's radical. It's radical. It's right. Yeah, there's something to this idea of faith that's crazy, that changes us completely. And it's this movement from rational to radical and taking these big steps. And God prepared Abraham all along the way for this moment. He goes up the hill. And you know what he did? Abraham changed what he thought was possible. He changed what he thought was possible. He trusted God completely. And here's what, how we know he changed it. Look in verse 7 of Genesis chapter 22. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father. They're walking up the hill. And here's what he said. My father. And he says, here I am, son. He said, um, behold, the fire and the wood but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Yeah, someone didn't give him the memo yet. <laughs> but I love Abraham's answer to him. He spreads it on just the same thing he said beforehand. We're coming back. Tells the men that are waiting by the donkey, we're coming back. He tells his son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And so the two of them walk together. And then they came to the place where God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on top of the altar, on top of the wood. Stop right there. Now at this time, Abraham's well north of 100 years old. So I want you to imagine with me your great-great-grandfather. Someone that much in years. And, and at this time, Isaac is is older, old enough to take that kind of journey with his father. Chances are that Isaac is a lot stronger than Abraham. So I don't, I don't want us to get the impression here like this strong, mighty man Abraham took little Isaac and bound him and kind of forced him into that. I, I can't imagine how painful this experience would have been. For, you know, how, how, we don't understand completely of his strength or understanding, but if we just would look at the strength of someone as they were getting up in their years of age, even someone that was half Abraham's age compared to a young adult male, could imagine Isaac almost helping his father bind himself. Complete obedience. Here's what we realize about faith, this kind of faith that becomes, it becomes contagious. That Isaac... We don't see Isaac struggling. We don't see Isaac turning away. We don't see Isaac objecting. Here's what he said. He said, son, God's going to provide. the," And he just trusts him. He doesn't say, well, no, it doesn't make sense. We should just turn back. We should just do this. We should just do that. It's not making sense, dad. He asks him. He says it rationally. What's going on here? He says, here's what's going to happen. He makes a promise, and he just obeys. And then he goes, and he just obeys. Now he's laid on top of this wood, and he is the sacrifice. And at that moment, he's still just obedient. This is an act of faith for Abraham and for his son, as his son is there about to be sacrificed. And it says that Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. So what is going on here in the story? If God is not a God who changes his mind, if Abraham's living by faith and trusting him, then what is going through the mind of Abraham at this moment? That makes any sense. Do you know what he did? He changed what he thought was possible because of his radical faith. And here's what he believed. In the author of Hebrews, we get it later in the word of God. We get the answer to what's going on here. And here's what it says. In Hebrews eleven nineteen, Abraham reasoned that God could raise from the dead. 
And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. Here's what Abraham, here's what goes through his mind. If he has to die then here, then God, you're going to raise him back up and he's coming back down the mountain with me. Because that's the God I serve. That's God's promise to me and I'm trusting him. I'm taking him at his word completely. Such obedience, such radical obedience, such radical trust. And at that moment, we see God sees it. He recognizes it in his heart. And here's what it says. Verse 11, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. He said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad. Do not nothing to him. Now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And then Abraham raised his eyes. He looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his thorns. And Abraham went and took care of the ram and offered him up as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. And as it is to this day, in the mount of the Lord, will it will be provided. And he said, even up until this day, the author saying, in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. Make sure you don't forget that right there. In the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. Pastor Rick and the worship team can come at this time. There's this moment in time that comes where he's stretched. He said, you haven't withheld your only son from me. I was talking with someone right between services, and they say, you know what's amazing is to think in the same way that every step was being orchestrated from Abraham leaving his family, leaving his town, leaving everything that he was comfortable with, going this journey, getting there three days later, walking up the mountain, that every step along the way that was being orchestrated there, that God was orchestrating a ram to walk up a different part of that, to get caught in those thickets at that very moment. Talk about the God who ordains all things, who orchestrates all things. God was preparing the provision ahead of time and had it ready for him at just the right moment's notice. This is the God that we serve. And on the mount of the Lord, in the place of incredible, radical faith and trust, it will be provided. We fast forward and we say this is about history. And we see Jesus modeling the same kind of faith, the same kind of trust, the same kind of obedience. In fact, as Jesus spent three years of ministry gathering his disciples and having them follow him, Jesus was on a journey himself of faith which is a radical trust and obedience. He said, I don't do anything. I only do what I see the Father doing. I trust the Father completely. I and the Father are one. Jesus was on this journey of trust. We don't get a lot of experience into what Jesus did when he prayed, but we know he prayed a lot. He spent times that he tucked away and he sought and spent time with the Father. We get one time in the Garden of Gethsemane when we get a chance to see into the heart of Jesus what he's praying, him and the Father, and here's what he's praying. Father, if there's any other way for this to go down, if there's anything else, Lord God, let this cup pass. But not my will be done, your will be done. In that moment, Jesus placing all his trust, all his obedience in the hand of his heavenly Father. And in that, the Lord led him to the cross. But as Jesus was preparing his disciples, do you know what he was preparing them for? He was preparing them for a life of faith, a journey of faith when they followed him. That's what they signed up for. And you can see it all along the way that there is this challenge. There is this tension. There is this conflict. Because the disciples keep thinking, faith is my rational obedience and trust. So as long as we can wrap our minds around what Jesus is doing, then we're going to trust him. But there's so many moments that come time and time and time again where it's not adding up. Think about it. They're standing there. There's thousands of people. And they say, hey, we got some loaves and some fish. But this isn't enough. Um, we've added it up. How are we going to feed all these people? This is how much it would cost. We still wouldn't have enough. But there's this moment they just place it in Jesus' hands. And they watch as one boy's lunch becomes more than enough for the multitudes. It's not rational. Can't understand it. Can't wrap your head around it. Jesus was teaching them all along. He stands out there. He meets them out in the midst of a storm on the sea. And he's standing on the water. Come on. And he says to Peter, will you step out of the boat and meet me here? And Peter's like thinking, well, let me think. Any other time I've ever stepped in the water, I sink. So he's like, no, Lord, no. But if it's you, really, then call me out. Come on. That radical step. He walks on water. You see time and time again, there's these moments 
that show up in the life of the disciples. And you know what Jesus was doing? He's teaching them. He's training them. He's stretching their faith. Like, you got to change what you think is possible because you're following me, because you're my disciples. There's so much more that can happen than you could ever think, dream, or imagine. He goes on as far as to tell them, you're going to do greater things. Can you believe for that? After I go, you're going to do greater things than I've even done. Go stretch what you think is possible. But there's one thing that Jesus continually rebukes his disciples about more than anything else. And he doesn't do it because he's mad at them. He doesn't do it because, you know, he's, he's just upset and wants to, you know, wants to yell at them. He's doing it out of love and discipline and training. But you know the one thing that Jesus has to say when he rebukes them the most on their faith. Oh, you of little faith. Time and time again, that's what Jesus is pointing out in the Gospels for his disciples. For the teacher of the law, it's their hypocrisy, it's other things, but for his disciples, it's their faith. That's what he cares about. He said, your faith is too small. You couldn't cast out the demons, you couldn't, you couldn't do those things. Your faith was too small. You just need faith like a mustard seed, and this mountain's going into the sea. He's stretching their faith because he knew there was going to be a time that was coming. You know why? Because Jesus knew that there was a mountain that was waiting. The same way that there was Mount Moriah waiting for Abraham, there was Calvary waiting for Jesus. And he was waiting to see, are you going to be ready? And he prays in the final prayer, he prays him, he prays, I pray that your faith doesn't fail you. This, the enemy wants to sift you. My prayer is that your faith fails not. But what do we see? Because there was a mountain, there was a land that was prepared for Jesus from the foundation of the earth. There was a place that he would come, that there was a father who had taken some wood, and instead of putting it into a bundle to put it on offering, he had turned it into a cross. And on that mountain, on Calvary, that wood was placed onto the shoulders of the Son of God, his only beloved Son. And he carried it up that mountain. And he went there, in there, thousands of years after this moment on Mount Moriah, another father offered his son as the perfect sacrifice once for all so the forgiveness and freedom and healing could flow into the lives and hearts of all humanity so that sin can be forgiven. It was there that God gave his son Jesus to us. Here's what's so amazing and beautiful. We find in this little passage of scripture in 2 Chronicles, that Mount Moriah is the very area where the Temple Mount was built. The very mountain ranges, the very land that God had given to Abraham and told him to go to. The very place right there where his son is going to be sacrificed is that very area where Calvary is found, where the Temple Mount is found in Jerusalem. That's, that's the same exact area. So when it says that area in Moriah, that will be the Mount where the Lord has provided. Do you realize that thousands of years later that it's the very mount that God provides for all of our sins? For, come on, somebody doesn't get that. That that is Calvary. That is the place where God has met his people with forgiveness and healing. On the mount, it will be provided by the Lord. And the Lord provided the greatest sacrifice, his only son. But in that moment, his disciples, their faith failed them. None of them were standing there with him. None of them could trust and take that leap of faith. But on the third day, right? On the third day, there was an empty tomb. And when there was an empty tomb and a risen Savior, it changed something in them. Their faith became sight. Something changed inside their hearts when they met the risen Jesus. It changed their lives forever. Their faith soared. It became activated in their lives. And because of that, we see Peter. We see the disciples. We see them live in a way that we never saw them live in the Gospels. They turned the world around them upside down. Why? Because they had a faith to believe. Their faith went from rational to radical. God did something so big in them and through them that it changed them in the world around them forever. This is the call for a follower of Jesus. Are you going to move from having a rational faith to a radical faith? Is you, are you going to have trusted obedience? It isn't just founded in what you think and can wrap your head around. Are you willing to step out and to trust God with everything and anything in your life? Would you stand up with me today to your feet? And this is a word today that God is calling all of us from the front to the back. It doesn't matter your age, doesn't matter your stage of life, that God's calling you today to take a step of faith towards him. It doesn't start with those leaps on Mount Moriah. It starts with simple acts of obedience and trust unto God. 
And some of you today, you feel like you failed God or some of you feel like God has failed you. You have had a step in front of you and you've never taken it because fear has come in. Something's come to rob you of taking that step and trusting God in that way. For others of you, the timing hasn't lined up with your timing and you've lost heart. I want you to know something today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We got a couple minutes left. We got our children. They're still in their classrooms. You can hang tight. But I want us to have a moment where we're going to respond in the presence of God together, where we are going to take a step of faith together as a body. Because there's one question that Jesus asks that scares me the most. Not about his disciples, not about the past, but it's about the future. It's a question he asks about when he returns. And it's a question that he's not asking to just his followers. He's asking it to us today and every generation until we see him face to face. And here's what he says in Luke chapter 11, or sorry, chapter 18, verse 8. He says, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth or not? Will he find a group of people that are just rationalizing, well, you know, this is it, this is our box, this is our comfort level, or those that are saying, you know what, God, I'm stepping into whatever it is that you have for me. Because in Abraham's life, that's what activated a supernatural move of God that changed generations. For us today, the same thing happens. We're willing to take big steps of faith and to trust God with everything else. And so for you, for me, when Jesus returns and he shows up here, to evangel church will he find faith in this house will he find and he shows up at your house and in your home will he find faith in your home and in your lives and in your children and their children we have it it starts with acts of obedience it starts with you taking a step and saying god i trust you with everything that i am and some of you it says lord take my faith and take it a step further lord take it deeper i'm not there yet but lord god i'm taking a step towards you But here's what I want you to know. There's an Isaac attached to every step. There's an Isaac attached to those steps. There's something that God may be putting in your hands saying, do you trust me with this? Lay it down. Trust me. Do you trust me? Because there's something that's going to be weighing there. Something you have to step out. There's something that might be uncomfortable. Something that's going to challenge you and grow you. Take that step. Surrender to the Lord. And watch what the Lord does. So here's what we're going to do all around this room. We're going to step out of our seats. And I just want to invite you right now for each of us to take a step of faith. And as we do that, we're going to come to this altar. We're going to press into the altar. We're going to sing together. We're going to worship for just a few moments before we close out our time together. But for you, if that's you and you heard the message, you say, Pastor, it's me. I want to have that faith. I want my faith to grow. I want you to take a step. Come on. Come right out of your seats. we got a few minutes left. And that's it. That's for you. This is an altar call for every single one of us in the house today. If you're a follower for Jesus, then you need to take a step of faith towards him, trusting him, asking him, Lord God, help my faith to grow, to be stretched. Bring me to places that I've never been before. So if that's you, just come on down. Let's fill these altars in the balcony. We'll wait for you. Come on down. Come on down. Don't wait. Don't let this moment separate us. But we're going to press in. There's something about that. There's something that you can't just sit back and stay complacent. There's something that's activated when you say, Lord, I'm taking a step today towards you. Not towards me, not towards them, but towards the Lord. So come to these altars right now. Let's spend these moments pressing into God's presence. Let's make this our prayer. Let's make this our heart's cry. Sing along as Pastor Rick leads us. We hope you have been challenged and blessed by this message. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com.